Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. And I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers. A podcast for every storyteller. A few quick reminders. I'll be at the San Francisco Writers Conference on Valentine's Weekend 2016. And if you want to find out about classes Angie and I teach in general, please visit bookwritingworld.com. Finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate it on iTunes or Stitcher so other like-minded folks can find us and so we can continue to attract some of the top talent in the storymaking world. In today's talk podcast, we talk with Janet Harvey, who has just finished her first feature film, Scene Queen. Janet received her MFA in creative writing from Columbia University. In fact, we were there together. She won the L.A. Short Film Award for her first script, The Guitar Player's Girlfriend, which included a production package from Kodak and Panavision. Her short films have played at festivals around the world, sold at Cannes, and won awards, including honors from Colin Baines at the Weinstein Company. She has written comic books for DC Comics and Image Comics. Her comic book series, Angel City, is due out from Ani Press in 2017. Enjoy the show. Where are you with the feature? Yes. Well, we're done editing. We're submitting to festivals, and I'm still going after some music rights. In fact, I just sent an email to somebody about one of the songs that we want to use. So hopefully we will get them and won't have to replace them and can afford them (laughs) because we're out of money. (laughs) Yeah, you did an incredibly awesome Kickstarter campaign that I unfortunately just caught up with. But um, (laughs) uh, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I guess you've done a lot of advertising things and Mm. stuff. So you brought that to the, the Kickstarter. Can you talk about kind of, tips for doing that so brilliant yeah um i i was pretty lucky i i have done a lot of advertising writing and i also worked for zynga which i don't know if you know them they did all the farmville games so i was working on a game for them for like three years and while i was there i kind of ended up doing a lot of the like the wall posts for the facebook game those annoying posts that are like so and so needs you know uh three washcloths send them something and you'll get a reward and so i got really good at writing calls to action (laughs) like really really good at doing sort of short like this is what you need to do now and it came in very handy when i was working on the kickstarter and doing all that stuff and and trying to um create an audience we have a facebook group for the movie now and somehow we've got a thousand people on it and the movie's not out yet and i'm not sure but um it's good that I kind of was able to to develop those skills to be like, because I, I realize when I start telling people, because a lot of people have asked me that question, they're like, how'd you do it with the Kickstarter? Like, not everybody knows how to do that. No, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, you need to be able to do like a short call to action and be like, this is this is what we're asking you to do. Not like, hey, contribute or, you know this is an awesome movie and you should support my vision. It's like, no, you have to kind of know what your message is going in and hammer on that message and don't be afraid to ask, you know, people. So I would actually like to back up a little bit because I looked through your your campaign and, I looked, and I've looked at some of the other stuff. And we watched your short. And we watched your short from 2006, I think. Or- oh, is it uh, Guitar Player's Girlfriend? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so... You know, it's interesting. These are two very different, but similarly, there's, there's, I can see thematically some things sort of related between uh, the topics, um, between the feature, and the between short. the feature and the short. They're not, yeah. they're not directly related, but you can definitely see that there's sort of questions about women and and, um, you know, with guitar player's girlfriend. There's that question of her going back to school and you know, kind of 
that supporting yourself, taking care of yourself kind of aspect of it. Um, so looking at um, the current one, the scene queen film that you're working, wrapping up, you know, you made this statement, we see these videos of girls having fights. And I have to say, I've never seen a video of girls having fights. So Is that a Texas thing? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it should be, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's sort of interesting. So like, where do you generally start with your ideas? If you, you know, where, where does an idea germinate for you? How, what's that process? Because that one, um, I heard, it was, it came from a news story about these girls. I don't know if you remember this, but it was, it was all over the news in like 2008. Mm. Um, of these girls who videotaped themselves beating this other girl up in Florida, of course. I mean, it's a Florida, <laughs> you know, it's always Florida, but it was like five girls kind of invited this other girl over and then beat her up and videotaped it and put it on the internet. And I was like, this is a great concept for a low budget movie. Um, and it was, it was funny because I was looking for something and I just kind of got my imagination and it sort of intersected how do I put this? It, it intersected two things that interested me. I was—I had been writing all this stuff about, like, you know, I like gangster movies, mm. and you know, a lot of, and this was a gangster movie with teenage girls, basically, yeah. um, you know, and and so that was where I was like, nobody's done this, and this could be something really interesting, and easy to do for no money because mm. you're kind of trying to do this very primitivist look of webcams and stuff like that so if it's not super high-end camera that work then it's okay it fits so uh when i started talking to people about it a lot of people were like what that's crazy like who would do that like you'd get arrested like who would be stupid enough to to upload something to the internet and by the time we actually started making it like which was five or people were like, oh yeah, world star. Yeah, everybody does that. My kids come home from school and people are, are doing this. They're like, they're, you know, they're, they're organizing these things in history class where they're like, everybody show up at three o'clock with your phones and there's gonna be a fight. And it's like, you know, it, it was a very different kind of world in which we kind of found ourselves. So that was, it was interesting. I, the stories I heard were worse than anything I had written half the time. <laughs> So I felt I felt kind of bad. I was like, wow, that is so much worse than what was what I imagined. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that hideous thing? <laughs> like, oh yeah, dumping a, a bucket of pee on somebody's head. Like, no, I hadn't even thought of that one, but somebody did that. Oh my Whoa. god. My favorite um, oh, go ahead. Oh, oh sorry, I'm telling horrible stories now. But my favorite was um somebody told me about they'd gone someone had a broken into the principal's office and beaten up the principal. <laughs> oh, no. And the punchline was that nobody cared that the principal had been beaten up because they were so sick of the principal. <laughs> the principal done nothing to stop any of this. So the parents were all like, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. What a world. What a world you've entered. Now, I know. I know. I'm just going to sit here quietly and kind of process what we've already discussed. <laughs> You're so. like, I'm so very asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how about for the guitar player's girlfriend? What was the seed for that? Um, the guitar player's girlfriend came much more out of my own experiences. And um, 
out of, I used to, when I lived in New York, I was a waitress, a cocktail waitress in a downtown for, for a long time. Um, and at the knitting factory, which was sort of where I thought of this, um, this story. And, you know, it was a lot more personal and it was more about like when I got sober, I was sort of could see this person, you know, these choices that this, this girl was making. It was an exercise for me um, as a writer, tie this back into writing, um, to write a script. I was trying to write a script with no dialogue at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't quite get away with that. There's a lot of dialogue right at the end, as you'll see, but I was trying to tell the story completely visually and sort of about the connection between these two women. And I found that I was working with a producer who was a lot younger than me. And his experience of the sort of the indie rock scene was very different than mine. Like, I don't think he quite got the whole, like this girl, her whole involvement in this is she drags her boyfriend's amp around and that's what she does, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and when I was coming up, like when girls got up on stage and played guitar, everybody laughed at them, you mm -hmm. know, because they were like, ah, you can't play your instrument. And you know, whatever, but it was the 90s. So it was like that whole riot girl thing. And, um, and now that's not so much the case anymore. You know, I think, I th which is great, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it made it less relatable, I think. I have to admit, I've never played Farmville. So I don't know exactly what it means to write for a game like Farmville. But I'm wondering, um, you know, for other kinds of dynamic storytelling or interactive storytelling, you know, there's this idea of kind of a cliff home hanger, the thing that brings the person, you know, the, to the next stage, um, you know, goal setting. Do you feel like any of the stuff that you did in writing games impacted the way you came at this uh, scene queen feature script? Um, that's an interesting question. I actually had written the first draft of it before I ever wrote for games, uh, but I've done a lot of interactive writing. I started, I, I moved out to Austin for my first real game writing um, job. And it's probably more, um, more fair to say that my screenwriting informed the game writing. Mm -hmm. The game writing definitely does, you know, is informing the screenwriting, just probably not that screenplay so much. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's it's interesting because the storytelling for games and different games are Farmville was based in very two dimensional. It wasn't like you were exploring a three D world like you would with a more a more you know high end like AAA development game. But but it is interesting the the way the two things intersect and narrative in a lot of ways. Narrative requires you to focus on something specific, and it almost doesn't play well at all with an open world game. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where, where you can't necessarily know what people are going to to focus on at any given time. Right. And that's the fun of an open world game. So it's like you don't want to force people into this track because they, they feel forced. You know, they, right. they'll feel like it's the opposite of what they want to do. So, um, so it, you find yourself having to make your the user the protagonist and have them give them something to go after and kind of create the theme around that rather than try to force them into a narrative structure, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And it's interesting thinking about the technologies that are coming up now with virtual virtual reality. And, um, you know, that's kind of the big word on the street these days around uh, what will filmmaking look like with the introduction of these more open 
models where you aren't controlling where people are going to look. And so that's interesting for, to think about, like, how do you create uh, or use narrative in conjunction with this kind of open world? Yeah, I find that whole intersection really fascinating, which is kind of why I got into that. But um, it's it's funny. It's I, There's no, it's kind of a, a frontier, you know, it's like the Wild West. There's no rules yet the way there is in, you know, screenwriting, which is very rule driven, very regimented. Are you a gamer? Are you a fan of uh, you know, I, I don't have time. <laughs> I used to play when I was younger, I used to play, you know, like uh, Nintendo games, basically. But my mother could walk you through any Tomb Raider, um, any um, sort of, she plays Heyday with my kids when we're not around and they we can't stop it. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely a thing that I've you know, been interested and engaged with, but I just haven't had the time in this particular incarnation of me. I will say our kids are are eight and they are, um, they are big graphic novel fans and that's yet another genre that you've engaged with. And I know you've also done adaptations. Can you talk about kind of bringing your story making skill set to, to that world? Oh, um, that's actually really boring (laughs) the adaptations were like taking um sort of broken japanese translations and making them make sense really Mm -hmm. uh was for tokyo pop but i am actually working on a comic book now which i haven't announced yet um we just got uh the first issue drawn and it's going to the colorist and we're going to make the announcement at emerald city comic-con which is in March, I think. So uh, it's called Angel City, and it's about uh, this uh, sort of stunt woman slash cocktail waitress. I don't know what it is with me and cocktail waitresses, but she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's solving crimes in like the 30s in, in LA. It's like a noir oh, nice. thing. Black Dahlia Titan gets killed, and she's um, she's she decides to go after, find out who, who did it, and it's this, you know, sort of it involves the studios and the police and corruption and all that stuff. So it's a- nice. So you're really bringing the intersection of gangsters, noir, or yes, gangsters, and waitresses. That's great. And and so are you working with an illustrator? Yes, uh, her name's Megan Levins, and she's um, she's awesome. She's doing so, a really nice job with the art. Um, it's coming out from Oni Press. Uh, they're the same folks who did Scott Pilgrim, so I'm super I mean, excited. There, it's going to be six issues. Is there a pre-order page or a page where we can get information or to send folks to? Um, there will be. In fact, I'm probably I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to be talking about it, but there will be uh, when we make the formal announcement. I've been okay. trying to keep it under my hat, but um, <laughs> but I'm so excited because we get to, we just got the art and it looks really awesome and um, it's a really interesting mo- moment for women in comics right now too. Um, I, that's one reason why. <laughs> so um, there's a lot more women reading comics, and I think it has a lot to do with the sort of the distribution going online. And, going on to the internet and stuff so i'd be interested to know what your what your kids are reading because they're reading a lot of manga i mean and actually they're way ahead of us so i i have to say like our kind of control over what they're reading is is gotten kind of minimal but they're you know that's not entirely true we don't i mean we definitely make sure that the manga is the age-appropriate manga. Like, Semi-age-appropriate. <laughs> I do know where manga can go. You know, it's interesting, though, as you were saying, sort of that broken translation, um, our youngest, Charlie, is very into, uh, like, Yotsuba. 
I don't know if you're familiar with her. No. And it's basically this, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a manga about a little girl who I think over the course of the stories grows up, but is really funny. Like she's just this really funny, almost like a Dennis the Menace kind of character. Okay. And we have seen a couple of different translations for this one panel that he absolutely loves. And it's a picture of her and she has seen some TV show where somebody uh, like shoots somebody else and says like, you know, something crazy. So she has a squirt gun and she's going around and saying crazy things to people in her family. Um, but one of the things is in the original version he saw, she's got her squirt gun and she, and she says, save your excuses for hell. And, you know, and it's kind of funny cause she's like five or something. And then we've seen subsequent ones where they're like, save your excuses for the devil, save your excuses for, uh, or not even save your excuses, like make excuses. To, I mean, it's interesting, the range that comes out. And he's got a clear, like, no, this is the right one. Like, this one doesn't sound as funny. And so the idea of taking both a visual and, and textual medium and bringing those together is kind of interesting across a language. Yeah, and, and you do have those subtleties, uh, you know, for the zingers that it, it, you hope that they will translate correctly, but that sometimes not so much like someone will translate them literally and you'll be like it doesn't translate so right yeah so i'm just like so amazed at how many different kind of arenas you're, you're touching and i know you you come from or at least you you dipped into at one point when i when i was in graduate school with you like narrative fiction right, right? Mm -hmm. so um, so I, and then these other genres are very, um, you know, they're sort of the visual is separated from the word part of it. Although I'd love that, you know, you were, you were doing a short trying to make it entirely visual because it's such a visual medium. And right. I guess I'm just curious about kind of just the, the, like what you do, like, do you still write sort of just fiction on the page without pictures? <laughs> you know, I have, it was really funny. What was, while I was at Columbia, I sort of started getting more towards screenwriting and realized that that was really where my heart was. And I ended up talking to James Seamus. I don't know if you remember him, but he was like, look, don't, he was in the film program and I, I took a couple of screenwriting classes and was like, oh, this is what I've been trying to do. I, I this very visual story that I literally told from the point of view of everyone in the room and I couldn't get this scene to work the way I wanted it to. But when I wrote it as a screenplay, it suddenly made sense. It was the way it was mm -hmm. in my head. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I really like doing this. And he was like, look, don't change your major. You'll just spend another $20,000. Like, finish your degree and then go get a job in the film industry or wherever you want to, you know, go. And it was while, and I got out of school and ended up working in comics. Um, so I, I kind of bounced around a lot after that, but it was doing interactive as a, as a CD-ROM editor uh, for DC Comics. So it was interactive and it was comics and it was all those things that I get really, you know, excited about. I have not written a whole lot of fiction, to tell you the truth, um, since I got out of there, except for those adaptations. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love it, but I've kind of been going in a different direction. And yeah. I've been, as you said, I've been going in so many directions. It's like, oh, fiction. Like, <laughs> I don't have time. Right. I, I really admire anyone who can write a novel. Mm -hmm. Screenplays and comics feel manageable to me. 120 pages of a screenplay, no problem. Like, 300 wow. pages of a novel, oh, my God. Like, right. that's five or six years of somebody's life. So Good luck. <laughs> that also makes me sort of think about the difference between, say, like, writing 
uh, prose and writing a screenplay or a comic. Screenplay is not really for consumption in and of itself. It's no, it's more of a blueprint for somebody else. Yeah. And so, you know, so the other two is kind of are predicated on a certain amount of collaboration. So I'm, I'm just wondering, do you feel like there's a piece of that for you in that those processes, I mean, in addition to being visual, um, is there something that's more collaborative in those processes for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, and I love that about it. I mean, you never, it's like, I have an image in my mind of what I thought this comic was going to look like, and it never looks like that. You know, obviously other people are bringing their talents in and there's a, you don't know what you're going to get. It's like cooking, you know, you're, you don't kind of know what final product is going to look like. And it's, um, you know, you're bringing in all these other very talented people, hopefully very talented people. Um, and you have to respect their contribution and what comes out is not going to be what was in your head. And you just have to get used to that right away. You know, it's like, it's, it's not just me. It's, it's all these other people too. And I find that really exciting. Process-wise, with a screenplay and with a graphic novel or a comic book, are you doing similar processes to lay out that that um, script, basically, ahead of time for a graphic novel like you would with a screenplay? Um, and at what point does the illustrator come in for collaboration? Um, yeah, no, you, you, I actually script it, and I do um, – the. the there, there used to be something called the Marvel system and versus traditional comic book script writing. Nobody does that anymore, but for some reason they're still talking about it, um, which is that you would do like a storyline, the artist would draw it, and then people would put in uh, word balloons, and that's not how anybody does it at all anymore. It's more like a screenplay. You do a, a page storytelling, a lot of the visual storytelling in the script, so it's like you know, you have a page, panel one, panel two, panel three, panel four, panel five, and then you describe what is going to go into um, each of those panels. And everybody's a little different um, on how much, like, camera direction and stuff that they do. And uh, different artists are different in how much camera instruction they want to have. Because, um, again, it's it's a collaborative process, so you want, you know, you want to give them the freedom to do what they want to do. Somebody like Alan Moore will write a panel description that's a page long <laughs> with like, and this is in the background and this is in the background. It's like, oh my God. Um, but nobody really does that other than him. <laughs> it's, I do very kind of loose, like, here's the scene. This is what needs to be in the panel. Like maybe I'll do like low angle, high angle if it's important to me, um, which they can ignore and often do. Um, and, you know, be like, here's a description of the panel. Um, here's the the dramatic, here's what's happening. Here's what, how this character feels. You know, this is how this character is feeling and then let them decide what, what expression that translates into and how they're standing and, you know, things like that. Um, what, are, what are the most important lessons you've learned or what are the best advice you've been given around the, these kinds of storytelling? Oh gosh, um, around comic book storytelling? Or film, just, yeah, like what are the, what are the key things you keep in mind when you're writing or things people told you that were important? Um, less is more. <laughs> less is always more. You know, you it, it's, and um, it, I feel like your dialogue is not, people, people looking at the page think that the dialogue is the writing. The dialogue is not the writing. The storytelling is the writing and the storytelling is visual. Um, you really want the visuals to carry your story and carry the emotion 
not the dialogue because it, it's the old show don't tell you know it's you're you're really showing um what's going on and like any other thing it's like what people say may have some subtext but they're probably not going to be telling you exactly how they feel all the time so yeah um, that's a good one we like that the same thing everybody says I yes. guess. <laughs> it's such a different you know i mean i don't i had no idea how a comic book looked you know in its initial script that's yeah. really interesting to see are there like you know online you can find scripts for movies are there places where people could download and see original scripts for comics or graphic yeah absolutely in fact um i think i don't know if you know kelly sue deconic but she just uploaded a bunch of scripts to one of them i can send you the link that'd be fantastic Um, i didn't know it existed but i'm like oh wow i definitely want to check that out but it's a lot of um you know contemporary writers actually do upload their scripts for people to check out after something's been published so awesome um, that's amazing I i think it's called the comic archive or something but i'll i'll go look it up i'll send you the link but um definitely we're checking out you know you can see how how people do it and how about shooting and editing this feature did that teach you some some things you want to hang on to about script writing and storytelling oh a lot yeah absolutely i mean uh, every every time i i make a movie or you know i i feel like i i make another quantum leap and like oh okay this is how this works um like the first short i did i realized people understand things visually much much faster than you think they're going to like i'm like 30 seconds into this movie or they're like oh okay this is a this is a heist so what happens next and they're already asking you what happens next mm-hmm. and you don't need to explain a whole lot about what's happening right now you need to to keep them moving forward before they get bored because they get bored very very fast um so this one was was interesting i i uh what did I learn about writing? I, I feel like I learned a lot more about camera placement and, and shooting on this we, round. We, we want to hear that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, it, it's like every time it's hard to quantify really what it is, but it's like, I'm looking at it going, Oh, every time I get done, I'm like, I would have done this completely differently by the time. Right. Yes. <laughs> like what? Like for this one, give us one of the things, just little things you wish you'd done differently. Oh gosh. Um, so many things. Well, part of the problem was that, we were moving so fast. We had a two, you know, we had no money. So we had this two week, um, two week production schedule. And right in the middle of it, we lost one of our main locations. Like we were laying down track as the train was going down the station. So one thing I really learned on this one was I'm used to very pre-planned shoots and knowing what I'm going to shoot when I get in there, because you really want to be as organized as, as you can be. Because once you get there, everybody's on the clock, time is money, and you only have limited time and light and, you know, resources. So I, I this one was a lot like, okay, we're going to put the camera here. <laughs> and me and the DP were like setting up the entire scene as we were going, like, um, which was cool but i think next time i'd rather have things like a production designer and more time to light everything and you know all the stuff yeah. that you're like oh gosh we could, if we if we just had more lights this would have been beautiful <laughs> or <if we laughs> time to light this and yeah. rehearse everybody that probably would have been better <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no film is like that. It's just yeah. sort of like, oh, this entire thing that I've planned on for three months has just fallen apart. Yeah, you just throw that out the window and it's like, okay, we're walking into this school that we have not even seen yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we gonna set up? Okay, here, you, you gotta make decisions and, and yeah. keep going. <laughs> but I think like also like improv, like when you are, there are sort of sets of rules when you're shooting, like shooting for the edit, like, you know, like, even though you're, you're having to sort of reset things, it's within a framework, like you're, it's not every shot is going to work next to each other. So, you know, you right. have to do things like a minimum angle difference between your shots and how um, the eye line, like all of those kinds of things are still going to kind of bound you a little bit. Oh yeah. And I mean, we, we had, my DP was super pro or Alicia, she's awesome. And I'd work with, like, mm -hmm. we would, we would be able to kick the can down the road and get a shoot done and it would look fine. It would look great. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I kind of wish we'd had time to get a little weirder with it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. it, you know, it turned out good. And I, we got very lucky with our actors. The girls who were in it were just, they were nailing it in three takes. Like it was like, oh, that's okay, we're moving on. And, you know, I think they look at it now and wish that they had had more time because, <laughs> you know, they were so young. A lot of them, like our one of our leads was under 18 and she just went to UT for, for acting. And she's like, I know so much more now. I want to like redo it. <laughs> And I'm like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's the thing about art. I mean, I, I was just saying to my students this morning, you you are never going, you are always going to be better than the person who wrote the thing you, you've just come through because you learned everything about it, you know, and yeah. you could always do something better than what you just did. And so you have to go keep going public with your imperfect things, right? Right, right. Exactly. And it's like, everybody's like, oh, are you proud of it? I'm like, oh, I want to I want to do something else. Like, I'm already done with that one. <laughs> but now you're getting into getting it to festivals and and kind of just holding its hand through the next stage right yes yes the next so, stage which is the the festivals are like please take my ugly baby <laughs> no 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 uh, yeah, did you think ahead about which festivals you were going to approach as you were uh doing your pre-production or did you are you doing more of that research now no, absolutely. And I mean, I'd kind of gone through uh, the festival stuff with my shorts. So I kind of knew what to expect and what what festivals are good for and what they're not good for. Um, so I, I, I wasn't going like uh, Sundance starts today. Today's the first day of Sundance, which we didn't get into. Um, and I'm I kind of said to everybody early on, I was like, look, if we don't get into Sundance and we don't get into South by Southwest, um, I'm seriously thinking of just pulling it and trying to release the movie and like selling it on, because we're in a place right now where it's like, you've got iTunes, you've got Vimeo, you've got YouTube. I mean, all of these places where you can monetize a movie, even if it's not a well-known one, like you can get it out there in some way or another. There's, there's ways that you can self-distribute that weren't there even like a year or two ago. That might be a better plan for us than uh, continuing with the with the festival submissions for there's like a two-year window that you can submit to festivals mm -hmm. and I think for us it's diminishing returns to go much longer than six months to a year because skinny jeans will be out and bullying won't be an issue anymore and <laughs> all these things can change oh bullying's a for an evergreen topic <laughs> bullying is yes a perennial problem <laughs> might have to wait yes. 20 years yes. <laughs> um 
Yeah, so you, if people wanted to sort of catch up with where the film's at, because certainly um, if you've got a thousand people on Facebook, you're doing a great job on getting that sort of social media piece out. But if someone were to listen to our podcast, would they be able to catch some glimpses of the, uh, uh, you know, maybe little outtakes or a, a trailer? Um, yeah, we're, well, I know. Actually, I'm working on a trailer right now, um, which I'm so, but we're posting like, you know, behind the scenes and, and stills and stuff for the movie on our Facebook group, which is Scene Queen Movie, I think, Facebook slash Scene Queen Movie. Um, we're also on Twitter and on, uh, if you go to the Kickstarter page, uh, our, and our website is SceneQueenMovie.com. Awesome. But the Facebook group is, is pretty active, so it's worth awesome. checking out. I don't know if I told you about this, but we have a final segment called Steal This, where we ask, um, is there anything that you've with, you know, it's the idea that, that, you know, amateur poets borrow and professional poets steal from T.S. Eliot. Is there anything that you've come across lately that you would like to to steal and make your own? Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking about that. You did tell me about that because there's all kinds of, I mean, speaking of like things that I know now that I didn't know when I started, there's so many right now that I love that I'm like, oh, we should have done that. Um, I don't know if you've seen Tangerine. Yes, yeah. Oh, so gorgeous. And that was all shot on a on an iPhone with a certain set of lenses that made it look cinematic and beautiful and everything. But it's really interesting to me the way they used the depth of field of the iPhone and their framing is just gorgeous. And I'm like, oh, oh, I want to do that. Like the, there's like a shot where I think, I can't remember the name of the character, but she's sitting at a bus stop and everything behind her is in focus. Like it's all this sort of deep focus, everything's in focus, mm. iPhone shot. And it just, the way they composed their frames was just gorgeous. And I'm, I would just look at it and I'm like, and their color, like the way they used color. That, I really wish I had stolen their color palette. Nice. I would have stolen their color palette if I had seen it before I made this movie. Next movie. Next movie. <laughs> very yellow. It's very LA, very yellow. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. So, I, that I want to steal. Beautiful. Did you do you uh do you have a steal this? Andy? Well, I'm gonna uh, piggyback off of what you said. We just saw Carol because it didn't start in our oh, I haven't seen Carol yet. I want to see Carol. Gorgeous. And just the way that the script uses the mores of the time and the situation. So, you know, you were talking about show, don't tell, right? Yeah, yeah. They're in a context where they can't, right? So even if they can't tell each other, yeah. So, you know, so it's almost like they have done this wonderful job of sort of like knitting subtext into each and every scene. And, um, you know, so I just, I loved that. And I also love the color palette of, of Carol as well. Like there's some like beautiful saturation that they do at different moments. So I would like to actually steal the subtext uh, kind of method. Um, what's her name? Nagy is the last name of the screenwriter uh, who wrote it. She's up for an Oscar uh, for it. Oh yeah, and, she wrote it like 20 years ago or something, didn't she? Yeah. I she something about it. Was probably uh, not, it was before its time. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So using using your character's environment to inform how they can actually speak. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's a good one. I have to see. I haven't seen Carol yet. I just finally saw Beast of No Nation the other night. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't seen it yet. Ooh, that's a depressing one. 
beautiful though and gorgeous it's carrie fukunaga who also did the whole first season of true detective if you saw oh okay and jane Eyre. he directed jane Eyre. i've been following his stuff wow wow amazing and that's one that I'm like, why is he not up for an Oscar? Like, oh, you know, well, we saw Creed and we were like, I mean, I loved Creed and I Creed think it was awesome. I love Creed. Yeah. And I think it's Hoover and theaters till February. It's just everybody loved Creed. Yeah. And it was like, I think that as a director and I think Michael B. Jordan was amazing as an actor. And, and the cinematographer, we were looking up because mm-hmm. Angie's sort of researching about doing kind of like one shot takes and things. And yeah. she did like this whole fight scene. Yeah, there's a fight the fight scene against his uh uh the guy in well, have you seen creed you've seen it yeah yes yeah so spoiler the alert last one? <laughs> um yeah so not the last fight but the fight against the guy in um you know how like rocky has that guy who wants rocky he wants rocky to train his guy yes yeah so it's the second guy in the gym and they do the whole thing in, in one take but it took i guess like 11 days to choreograph and, and rehearse wow. and then you know some crazy amount of time. No, it took a month to do that. And it took 11 takes to get a usable take. Wow. And, um, you know, so it's just, anyway, I love. She should have been nominated. Too, she should have been nominated point. too. Like that, that movie was just, it was both enter- it was oh, entertaining. Sure. My, it was- favorite, my favorite fight in that one is the last one where he like gets up there and then the other guy comes out with the, the explosions and everybody's raising their lighters and you're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're a filmmaker as well, aren't you? Angie, yeah. Or- yeah, yeah. So yeah. I am um, currently working on sort of getting into soft launch of uh, a film I'm hoping to shoot, a feature that I'm hoping to shoot in May. And um, so I'm doing a lot of research on available light shooting and um, also 360 lighting. So in places where we're um, gonna be indoors, kind of how can we set up the lighting so we don't have to keep switching it? Right, yeah. For each side and of it. You can go around and stuff. And- yeah, and then handheld, so we're gonna do that. So there's a lot of great models for that too. So that's what I've been looking into recently. <laughs> oh, cool, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on my steal this, um, I, I'm reading uh, outline by Rachel Cusk. I just started it actually, but the voice is really interesting. It's an it's a novel. I guess it's probably an autobiographical novel, but um, about this writing teacher who who's having these different conversations with people, and then it goes into the stories they're telling her, but it's kind of indirectly narrated and i just um just this morning i was looking at my own draft rough draft and i was thinking like maybe i could steal her way of telling having you know having the narrator stay the same but 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 narrate other people's stories i'm not sure i will steal it from my current project but i was toying with it (laughs) huh so it's like narrated through her yeah, like she'll, she'll say, like I sat next to, she'll like she sat next to the guy on the plane, and she calls him my neighbor because he's her neighbor on the airplane. And then she tells this whole story about what he's told her about his first wife and his second wife and what happened and his kids. And she just so she it's not in direct dialogue, but she keeps saying, and then my neighbor, you know, said to his wife, blah blah blah, or my neighbor was, you know, uh, and so and she's analyzing kind of the, their relationships, and and then she'll say what she believed or didn't believe about his story and go back to him with it. And then he'll respond. So it's a very interesting um, way of kind of bringing in a lot of other people's stories, but they're through her narration. But she goes right into direct narrate, directly narrating their stories. Wow, 
So it's like filtered through her, what they're telling her. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. still playing with that. Yeah. And so, so what are you working on next? Uh, well, I'm working on the Angel City, um, the Angel City comic. And I actually, one of our actors, uh, Kate uh, St. Clair, one of the girls who's bullied, um, is also a writer. And she had written this um, young adult novel, uh, you should talk to her actually, a YA novel series called Spelled, which is about this girl who, it's like kind of got a, a Harry Potter vibe to it. Like she finds out that she's from this long line of witches and she lives in this small Texas town and it's like her sort of teen drama and then sort of coming into her own power kind of metaphors and it's a really good YA novel and um she had done a a trailer which I should also send you um which was awesome with this uh local DP named Taylor Camero and uh she'd done it as a trailer for the book but she wanted to develop it out as a movie so she approached me about directing and and producing that so I've been working with her on developing that into a, a feature script and that's um, wonderful. It's really cool. And I, the stuff that we've been shooting with Taylor is amazing, but we definitely need a bigger budget than we had for, for scene queen. You know um, that we, there's a, as, do you know Digital Bullocks, which is a company that makes a, a camera? Anyway, they have a current and kind of, it looks like it maybe is ongoing. I have to double check it. They have a, the, a grant for women cinematographers. So if you have a project that has a female cinematographer, you can apply for funds and they'll, you know, if you're in the U.S., the continental U.S., I think, um, then they will give you like access to lights, probably a digital Bolex, you know, like different things, but you can oh, go cool. there and apply. I'm going to apply for the project I'm working on in May, but I have no idea what the time, it's hard to tell what the timelines are, but um, that's something to look at if you're further out, because you may have a project you would like to. Yeah. Well, Taylor, Taylor's a guy. So. That, that okay. Well, never mind. This project. He's like the first time I've worked with a guy cinematographer. I've always worked with Alicia and everything else. Oh, <laughs> well, let her know for her next project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She actually had to deal with, um, God, now I'm blanking on what camera we used. She had to deal with her camera company and uh, she was hoping we could get us some money from that, but it didn't work out. But, um, but yeah, she has she brought her own camera and she was pretty awesome. Yeah. So you're in Austin? Yeah, I'm in Austin. And you've got this thriving film community, it sounds like. Yeah, no, I, I really like it here. I feel like I found my tribe in, in many ways. Um, it's, uh, they're, they're very into the cult movies as well. Yeah. And uh, AFS, uh, the Austin Film Society, is this really, they, they just started their own theater and they've been showing uh, a Vim Vendors uh, retrospective and all these cool retrospectives. And uh, there's the Draft House, of course. And yeah. um, I feel like they share my sensibilities in a lot of ways. So it's been really good. Cool. Thank you so so much yeah. for coming on the podcast oh, and talking to us thank you for uh for for having me 